0: God, we thank you, Father, that even as they have been proven faithful and finished the course, Lord, to earn a degree, Lord, we declare over their lives, Lord, that they would be found faithful before you to stand in in holiness, to stand in purity. Lord, we ask for fervency of spirit all the days of their life, and and Lord, that they would live with a posture of heart of seeking, Lord, that even as they've known what it is to search uh, books and find wisdom but we ask for that that seeking heart would remain all the days of their life to search you out and to find wisdom in your word, Father. God, we thank you, Father, for the sealing of the Holy Spirit upon their hearts as you lead them in this new season. In Jesus' name, amen. God, put your hands
1: together Somebody's got to be the
2: comedian. I'm not that good at it, but I'm trying. Yeah, I'm, trying. I'm trying. So we have some more announcements to bring in. You know, unfortunately, we have to be so flexible being a church who has service in a hotel. Um, there's other people acquiring spaces always who essentially pay a lot more money <laughs> for the venue, and they're able to give us just a three-week notice and say, hey, guess what? You can't use the spot the Sunday. So we have that uh, unique uh, thing happening this upcoming Sunday, which I think it was... Sunday to have it happen, it would be that Sunday, given that it's Memorial Day. So, right here uh, at noon, uh, May 24th, next Sunday, we'll be not having a service here, but we'll be meeting at 135 Western Avenue for a cookout. Hey, if there was ever a community that was falling tight to the Book of Acts, it would be us, you know? They had fellowship, they ate, and we were eating a lot. And so... I'm grateful for that. I'm, I'm actually surprised that I said this last Sunday that we we've been able to retain really anything with all the transition that we've been through through times and different locations. But we just uh, we would just encourage you guys, just be flexible. That's what I'm having to do. That's what Bethany, the leadership here, are trying to do. We're just trying to be flexible and, and work with what God has given us thus far, and this is what we have. But hey, who doesn't want to eat and have a cook out? Jay, come on, let's just yeah. fellowship and get together. So right. we want to encourage you guys uh, to get out to that. We have some practicals about that. Yeah. If my, my wife is more of the practical at all. If,
0: um, if we all just want to bring a side dish to share, um, we'll be providing all of the meats and the condiments and napkins and all those practicals. Just a side dish to share that will
2: work. Yeah, that will help us. So if you could, that would be awesome. Bring veggies. I'm <laughs> um, yeah. thinking if there's anything else in the way of announcements. Um, this uh, Monday, I believe starts the um, intercession school, the training. Uh, James, am I right? Yeah, yeah Peter Kim is like What's going on? <laughs> I don't think a lot of our congregation has yet to adjust to this time. Um, you know, every once in a while I get a text like, "What time is service?" do you where you been for like three weeks?" Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, uh, they're having a, a school of intercession where you'll get to be taught in the practicals, but yet also application. Uh, uh, about intercession and prayer. So we want to encourage you guys to get involved with that. I don't know what the registration is up to, but you can go to, um, man, I don't know where you can go to. I bet if you go to Peter Kim's Facebook. Yeah, if you go to Peter Kim's Facebook, how many know Peter Kim? All right, to his Facebook and register, or just show up. That's cool, too. I'm sure they won't mind. And then we, um, many of you know that last Sunday we announced going out into
1: Central Square. Well, yes. <laughs> so we have, we have
2: some reports
3: of that time, and we wanted Will to build share briefly about what that took place. I just say, Valerie's awesome. All of them are awesome. And we had five guys and girls go out. It was amazing. It exceeded every expectation I had. I mean, I thought we were just going to go out there and really. My pizza. you pizza? want a water? And then all we had, George. Am I right? All you had to do was just. All he, he was the first one. He just opened up the pizza
1: box and instantly,
3: instantaneously. Oh,
1: here it
3: comes. And there, okay, so people, you know, it's something
1: about pizza, but uh, we, um, yeah, yeah. So if you weren't
3: familiar with what we're doing, we were going out. We went out to basically the last call the bars closed. We went to the craziest spot in Central Square. By the way. Harvard Square, not so much crazy, and it's, it's more academic there. But <laughs> apparently all the crazies come to Central, and they go to Zuzu, and they go to the Middle East. If You know what I'm talking about know right. what I'm talking about, it's crazy. <laughs> so about 2 a.m., we were out there, we opened up that pizza box, and they just flooded us. Not just because it was pizza, but over and over again, I just heard people ask a one-word question, why? It was incredible. And it was the most, it was totally opposite of every other outreach experience I've ever had, where people, We we would just be talking about random stuff. I mean, we'd be talking random stuff. And they would just say, by the way, I'm agnostic. And we're like, I didn't even ask (laughs) you Let's talk about Jesus. And, uh, I mean, people were telling us their stories. People were saying, you know, I want to come to a church like yours. Like, this is cool. People were so receptive. God was moving, and he's going to move... Ongoing, because we're gonna keep doing this. So it's really, really exciting. If you want <laughs> to come, come to at 1 a.m. <laughs> Listen, yeah, it's the night walk, baby. So it's gonna be fun anyway. That's this uh, this Friday It's me Saturday morning, really. But come at one a.m. We're gonna we're gonna do this thing. It's phenomenal. You want to be part? I mean, it is fun. Am I right, Valerie? <laughs> All right. <that's> <laughs>
1: It, it's just not enough to be a
2: prayer community when you pray and you pray for a long time God always stirs your heart to take it out of the walls and bring it into the streets so we're just thrilled uh, that uh, will and a couple others and Femi, Crystal, um, had taking that chance and others that joined George uh, that take that chance and it's funny that it really wasn't a chance at all that you found openness and receptivity uh, to minister and food Who hates pizza? (laughs) No. Especially drunk people. assuming that we're all drunk. Drunk. Allegra, will you come? Uh, We have uh, Allegra. How many are familiar with Allegra? Uh, She has some some things to share. No, this is not the sermon. Okay, just so you know. These announcements are not the message. We're actually going to get that. But Allegra, we want to turn attention to some things that are going on
3: with the ministry that she's in. everyone. Uh, I'll I'll keep it brief, uh, but I am
0: uh, a missionary involved, and I'm a partner missionary with European Faith Missions. And so we have a friend who is coming through the Boston area, and she's going to do a training on evangelism through biblical literature. So she's the founder of the Society for English Learning through Biblical Literature. And what she does is she has a program that takes idioms. A lot of idioms in the English language are actually based in the Bible. And so she brings people back to the biblical roots of the English language. Um, and in that way introduces um, these English learners to the gospel. She's doing a course on this at BCEC, the Boston Chinese Evangelical Church, in Chinatown. Um, and for those of you who don't know that, is actually where I started leading worship. I started leading worship at a Chinese church. Um, so I'll do more on that some other time. But um, anyway, um, so she's going to do a training there. It's at 249 Harris Ave um, in Boston, Massachusetts. 021 something I don't remember, <laughs> and um, uh, I have an Eventbrite. Links to all of that will be on my Facebook. Will be on the Good Word Radio Show's Facebook page. And I'll be tweeting about it, all that good stuff. If you cannot afford the fifty dollars, still register. The registration is free. Um, but she is traveling in from the UK, so it does help her costs. And I'm also willing to help sponsor someone who is interested in doing this, but cannot afford to do it. Um, and I'll be going to do it as well. And then if you do this, it will help equip you because in
2: July, I plan to go to Milan and bring a group of people to um, do outreach evangelism using English. So that's it. Okay. So if you want more information about this particular ministry, and what um, she's actually going to be speaking in the upcoming months, uh, and addressing our community about our hearts for missions, and um, she's also going to, you know, pull upon us if anybody's interested in joining her with some of these mission trips that she goes on, they might want to join her and go with her. But if you want any for more information. I'd uh, encourage you to seek Allegra out after service. And this brings me to the Word of God today. Is everybody so? excited? Yeah. All, right. All right. Well, turn with me to the book of Acts, chapter 17. Acts 17. Another book that we're new to here in this community, by any means, by no means. Um, but the title of my message is The Men Who Turn the World Upside Down, right? Pretty catchy. Um, But yeah, it's more than just being pretty catchy. It actually happened. It was actually said about the apostles in Acts chapter 17, verse 6. And not just in that particular chapter, but all throughout the book of Acts. You know, the move of God in that time was marked by this simply, civil unrest and controversy. Really, when you study the book of Acts, those men caused so much trouble that they were literally labeled as troublers, you know, I mean, how many of us today would like that label? You know, Hilltop Church, the Troublers of Cambridge. Mm -hmm. But actually, that's what they were deemed of. That's what they were deemed as, excuse me. But before we go into um, my message today, I want to start at a particular uh, point, and I want to talk about my love and affection for Apple Computer. (laughs) (laughs) I want to
1: talk
2: about my joy at this particular product i know that there are people who do not like apple i get it i mean let's say the brand is an apple with a uh, a a bite taken out of it uh, excuse me Um, i'm sure there's some symbol um, wrong symbols i don't even know the word somebody help me symbolism symbolism Symbolism. that's it i was going to say symbolization Already. But I love Apple products. I love Macintosh. I recently, about two years ago, had an experience with my father-in-law where he was kind of entering after uh, much failure in the computer world to get an Apple, but he looked at the price tag, he was like, you gotta be kidding me. And then two years ago, you know, Bethany, my wife, she's not really gifted in the area of electronics. Right? Oh, I don't mean to harp on her, but she just does not, she's not gifted in that area. And there was a time when her, like, 12-year-old Mac just, it just shot to death, just went south for the winter. Um, and she did the next best thing that she knew to do, get online. And I went to my computer one day and saw a mess on the desktop of pictures and folders and documents. I'm like, ah! And so I thought it would be the best thing to just separate us, you know, separate. Give her the old Mac and... Yeah, give me the
1: new one. That's what you're doing. And somehow
2: I talked my wife into it. She thought it was a good idea,
3: so I was like, "Yes."
2: <laughs> but anyways, as I bought the Mac and brought it back to my house, my father-in-law—we call him Pepe—he uh, was having issues with his computers. He's always had issues with his computer, and uh, you know, I started to try to, you know, convince him that he wants a Mac. He wants to venture out of that arena of, I don't what do you call It's not PCs, it's just personal computer. What do you call the other side? What do you call the other time? Yeah. Windows, PC. There's a reason why it's named PC, piece of crap. No, i just, <laughs> I, I just showed me.
1: no, but hear me out, hear me out. Right.
2: And so he was chatting me, he was like, you spent what on that computer? And I said, essentially, listen, Pepe, hear me out, Pepe. You know, you spent how much money between going to the doctor's office Trying to get your laptop fixed, you spent—I mean, literally, I think in uh, maybe three months. No, probably about five. He bought two computers, uh, you know. And I'm like, by the time you know you've bought two and I've bought one, I'll have this one for a good seven to eight years while you're still getting yours fixed and maybe even buying another one. And uh, you know, I have a love and affection for Apple products. One, because they're—they're reliable. They're like a dog. <laughs> you know, dogs are just reliable. You know, you know, you can say, you know, quiet, and they'll, they'll still love you the next day. You can them, I do recommend it, but they're just faithful. They're just faithful pets, right? And that's the they must
1: like. Is. But I got to thinking about it, of how upsetting it is. Let me tell them another story before. Is this okay? I you're I'm just trying to listen you out. Some of you guys have too straight of faces. So I just need to see
2: some whites. I need to see grill, uh, I got involved in the recording world uh, years ago. I started just thinking, hey, maybe I should uh, create a small little Lo-Fi studio. And there was this hot mic out on, uh, uh, you know, out there in the music world that I really wanted. It was a Newman U87. I think the thing at the time was going for like thirty-eight hundred dollars. And I was really like... Trying to, you know, fight, you know, logic and and like the, the desire for that mic, uh, and, and, and so logic won, and I decided not to buy the mic. But how many can attest to this that, you know, even though you can't get what you want, you know, because of the price tag or whatever, um, you try to figure out ways to get something comparable, you know, something that maybe isn't as expensive. Uh, but that then pulls out the same kind of things, and that's the way it is in the music world. There's always some guy out there trying to sell something way cheaper that he is convinced does the same thing as the most expensive gear out there, but it just doesn't. You know, when there's a hundred and fifty dollar price tag on another mic, and they're saying it can do the same thing that a U a Newman U eighty seven can do, it, you, you, that has to be a red flag. But I bought good
0: lighting Sixer. I bought it about three times. <laughs>
1: Eventually, I I, I sucked it up, and I was like, you know, I'm just going to
2: go for a more expensive one. I still don't have the Newman, but I have something pretty comfortable. But anyways, I, I say that all to say this is that in that interim of trying to find something for less cost, but yet pulled off the same dynamics, I tried three times to find it, and I was let down by the blogs that I read about that mic about the videos, you know, you see those videos, and this does the same, this large diaphragm, and you're just sucked into it, you're like, yes, this is gonna be it, and then you record on it, and it's a like, duh. And I was, I was let down, but you know, I, I, I got thinking about this morning, that's much like, it you is know, sometimes in the church, and what prompted me to think on that level is 2 uh, Timothy, and this has to do with my message, it may seem a little off, Uh, right now, but it will come home, I promise. Uh, In 2 Timothy, Paul is warning Timothy of the last days. I think it's chapter 3. Yeah, chapter 3. And in there, essentially, if you boil down the first four verses you see that ultimately, if you were summarize what Paul was talking to Timothy about, he was saying, essentially, men will become lovers of pleasure. They'll become lovers of money and things of this world, and they will fall out of out of love with God, with Christ. And verse 5 is remarkable for me, in the sense that it really hit home, it really hit a spot in my heart, of even calling my own authenticity as a Christian into question. I think that's good. I think it's good to evaluate, you know, and examine, and ask the Holy Spirit to examine your heart. And in verse 5... Um, Paul says, they will have a form now, talking about the church, he says they will have a form of righteousness or godliness, but they will deny the power that could have made them holy. And I started thinking about what happens when the church only has a form, when it only has a title, when it's only branded as a certain thing, but when you get involved and you get into the inner structure of it, especially with charismatics, you find Oh my goodness, <laughs> they, they lied to me. They they told me that I would get the same results out of this cheap mic that I would get out of the expensive mic. And now I hear, hear three mics later or three computers later, and I don't get none of the results that they said I would. And often sometimes we find that in the church. You know, uh, we find that in our experience and in our daily lives that we are just kind of... Uh, Surcoming, I guess, if you would, to just fool. And I have a conviction, I have a real conviction for Hilltop Church that we don't settle for that. I'm not trying to make judgments. I literally came to these conclusions just evaluating my own heart. Uh, so I'm not judging other churches I don't know. All I know is that the results, if you would, and I'm not, I am into results, I'm into bearing fruit for the kingdom of God. Uh, but all as I know is that in the book of Acts, the apostles had anything but for them. it. was raw, authentic desire and passion for Christ. Yeah. It's interesting. In Acts, um, I know I told you to go to 17, but you don't have to turn there. But in Acts 4.13, um, let me just get the story. Oh, this is what it was says. Uh, it was said that they had Really, I'm okay? I forgot my Bible today. I know the pastor forgot his Bible. And I have a Bible here. Um, but, you know, anyways, this is what it says in 4.13 about some of the accusations towards the apostles. It says in here in 13, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, they perceived that they were uneducated, common men, and they were astonished.
1: And they recognize. Now, listen to this. They recognize that what they had been
2: with Jesus. Just think about that. They 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 evaluate these uneducated, unimpressive men, and they say there's nothing really attractive about their language. They're not necessarily very uh, polarizing in the image. They're not necessarily you don't really gravitate other than oh, they've been with Jesus. What, what if that was what the world said about the church today? That our one qualification or our one assessment of the world was, oh, that church has been with Christ, much like the people were saying out in the streets in Harvard Square, oh, I want to go to that church. This seems like Jesus to me. And so we're going to talk about the men who turn the world upside down, but I thought I would start there. Hopefully it's not true. <laughs> of a, uh, I don't know, to of a heavy blow. But I really want us to ponder. I really want us to lay our own hearts before the Lord and ask God, are we just sort coming to form? Are we just having a title as, I am Christian? Or are we really authentic in our faith? Essentially what Paul was saying is: listen, the power of God that they rejected or that they were denied was the power that would have made their uh, religion, because that's the original word in the King James Version, authentic. Uh -uh. They denied it. Now, when you look at the definition in the Greek of the word power, you see a moral righteousness, but you also see uh, a power as in the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine that people in the last days will reject the power of the Holy Spirit you imagine that this is what Paul's saying. He's saying, in the last days, and how much more, if that was the last days then, are we in the last days now? But in the last days, not the world, but the church will deny the power that could have made them godly, could have made them authentic. You see, in the Word of God, you would always see that the one area, or the one need for the Holy Spirit was to confirm the preaching of God's Word. So that the kingdom of God was not just demonstrated in speech and language, but that it had a force behind it. Think about Moses. Really, I think, I won't say that because I don't know. But Moses, let's go back to Numbers, if you would. Numbers 11. And I'm just going to summarize. You don't have to go there if you want to, it's fine. I'll just briefly break it down uh, about 15 verses. Uh, i in, in this passage, I believe, starting in. Uh, uh,
1: 16,
2: verse 16 to 30. Uh, Moses is feeling the pressure of leadership. One man leading an entire nation through a wilderness. He is feeling it. And not only is he feeling it because of the amount of people, he's feeling it because of the chaos that's going on in the camp. They are starting to murmur, complain. They are jaded. They are saying things like it would have been better if we just stayed in Egypt. It was I about mean, craziness. And Moses is like, ah, what did you do to me, God? What are you doing? And Mo- God decides to relieve and to help and to send aid to Moses. So Moses calls for 70 elders. And God, it's interesting, says, Moses, you gather these 70 elders, and I will take the spirit that I put on you, and I will place it on them to help you. God always equips us for what He calls us to do. Even in the Old Testament, we see that God took the spirit that He gave Moses, put it on the 70 men, so that they could help give leadership to Israel, and bear some of the burden that was upon Moses. And so essentially what you see, and what happens is there was two dudes, who didn't make it to the gathering. They hung out in the tabernacle, maybe doing priestly duties, I don't know, it doesn't say. They were hanging out in the temple, but they were supposed to be among the seventy. men. And God puts his spirit on them, right? He puts his spirit on them, and they go out of the tabernacle and go into the camp, and start to call side, much like the 70 men did in the gathering, there when God came down in the cloud, and put the spirit he put on Moses on them. The Spirit came on them in the tabernacle, and they went into the camp and started doing the same thing that was happening in that field, or that mountain, or wherever they were. And they started prophesying with Joshua, a man who was assistant to Moses, come to say, Moses, what are these guys doing? This is out of order. This is unorthodox. Only you leaders need to be doing the spiritual thing or the spirit thing, prophesying and doing this stuff. What are you going to stop this, Moses. And Moses' response is in 29. He says, hey, are you jealous for my sake? I wish that all men would be prophets. Essentially, he boils it down, even though the word uh, used here is prophets, but he's essentially saying, my desire is that all men would move in the power of the Spirit. This is Old Testament. This is for for the introduction of the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit came on individuals. There's a growing argument in the church that, Acts chapter 2 was only for specific people. That it really was only for the starting or the birth of the early church. That the specific people were the apostles. But you know what? Paul wasn't among those counted in the upper room. There's many people. You think about on the way to Ephesus in uh, Acts chapter 19, where Paul gets to the shores and he meets these couple of dudes and they don't even know the baptism of the Holy Spirit like, how we never heard about this. What is that? What do you This is new. And you say, no, 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 Jesus did in this Baptize them, they start doing weird things. <laughs> Move in the power of God. And so we find that the Holy Spirit was just not for a specific time for a specific people to do a specific thing. Jesus said in Mark chapter 16 that anyone who would believe who was baptized in my name would do these things. These things would follow them. He goes to list, list a long list: of heal the of sick, open blind eyes, uh, miracles, signs, and wonders. Now I'm not miracle happy. I'm not like you know, eh, you know, you know, just a miracle hungry, you know, power hungry type of guy. I understand that God has given us wonders and signs for a reason. It's not enough that we just have. Uh, articulation It's not enough that we just have the gospel. Actually, in Mark chapter 16, uh, Mark closes it with that Jesus gave them the Holy Spirit. Again, so why? That the word that they were preaching, the gospel, that they were going all throughout the world and uh, 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 spreading, would have the confirmation of a kingdom that's powerful. Think about Moses. It wasn't enough that Moses just went before Pharaoh and said, Let my people go. Ah, Moses. Yeah. Silly boy. And probably at first he did do that. But Moses not only could have the articulation to say, My people, you will let go. He had the power of God's spirit residing inside of him so that when he took that rod, put it down on that seat, that seat could open God always, listen to me, God always equips us with the things that we need for the things that He's called us to do. I have two people who agree to thank you. I
1: don't want
2: to just have a form. Listen to me guys, listen to me today. We do not only just want to have a form of religion. We want to have the power. Not that we're hungry for power, that we're power hungry, but that we are giving glory to God through the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. That's what it's all vertical. It's never about us. It's only about sharing a uh, shedding a larger spotlight on Him. And so, in Numbers, this is in the Old Testament, you see the heart of God just in 29 in Moses' words. I wish that everyone would be uh, uh, moving in the power of God's Spirit. It's not just for a select group. Fast forward to Joel chapter 2. Now, other people would say, but Joel chapter 2 is just boiled down for what happened on Pentecost. God already fulfilled it. He's not looking to do it again, so on and so forth. But in Joel chapter 2, it was boiled down to even maidservants. And and all flesh. It wasn't just, well, the flesh of the twelve. Joel chapter two prophesied something that would touch everyone who believed, essentially what Jesus would back up in Mark chapter 16. Anyone who believes it, who is baptized, yeah. will move in these things. Now, I don't recommend you pick up snakes, that of <laughs> Although, if God calls you, you know, I don't recommend that you drink it.
1: But I think that is more to illustrate
2: the, the vastness of God's power. That's right. So that leads me to Acts chapter 17. Ultimately, God the thing that made the apostles stand out as the power of God. And ultimately, what is going to make us stand out in a world that needs more than form, that needs more than just the people who have a title? More than the people that just have a brand as I am Hilltop, and I am Christian, la-di-da. That's good. And that's enough. When we have a power living within it The same power, what, that rose Christ from the dead. Yes. have you ever thought about that? Have you ever, just in the modern world, in today's culture and society, just sat back and pondered that? The same power I literally, in today's culture, I literally have to say that over and over and over again. In my prayer life, uh, in my times of devotion with the Lord. Why? Because this culture, specifically in the church, seems to want to water that reality down.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: I think most churches would be glad if the whole baptism of the Holy Spirit just went away. Yeah. Too much controversy surrounding that. Speaking other language, it's actually moving in the power of God. The power of God is needed, friend. Yeah, and unfortunately, it has been abused. Yeah. There has been a falsehood that surrounds it. There has been lying and manipulation. But that does not devalue or discredit the reality and the desire that God has to want to put His Spirit on me
1: and you today. Yeah,
2: wow. So I don't want to just have a form. Friend, you don't want to just have a form. And I don't say that just as a pastor. I would say that if I was in the workplace, if I was getting my education. I don't want to just have a form, a title. Oh, that's Daryl, the Christian. Right. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. I want to have, oh, have Daryl pray for you. You got cancer? Have him pray for you. Right. Oh, oh you, you, you can't walk, something happened, you know, whatever it is. How dare I lay hands on you? Fits. there's something about this guy. It brings glory to God. That's how Jesus summarized it in John chapter 15. He broke his ministry down to, when it came to the power that he moved it, and he manifested it the earth, he broke it down to one thing, that it brings glory to God. It brings glory to God. It can be perverted, but again, it does not discredit nor devalue. And friend, What if the accusation against Hilltop today in the city was, oh, this is the church that has turned Cain or something"? You
1: know, we say that, but really think about it. You know, I think of Elijah. You know, Elijah, he was deemed as the king of Israel, from the king of Israel, as the
2: trouble of Israel. Imagine that, the king of Israel saying, oh, Elijah would kill that guy. He's the troubler of Israel. Take them out. And every opportunity that Ahab would get, he would seek to do just that. But imagine having that title over you. The Troubler of Cambridge. Wow. <laughs> we don't want to. We're too PC in the church.
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh, I don't want a fan.
2: What does love look like? What, at the end of the day, does true biblical love look like? I'm telling you, it's not as flight as some of us articulated in the church. But what if, what if today, could we bear the reproach of having the title? Because it's not just the world that would title it. It would be the church. Understand, the one adversary that the apostles had in the book of Acts was the church. Yeah. God's people working against God's people. Yeah. For one reason. You know, I boil it down to this. One reason. You know why they did that? Because they were jealous. <coughs> they were jealous. Why? Because what the apostles were doing was effective. Okay. People were being added to the church daily. Okay. And meanwhile, the religious people are just sitting back watching people leave. It's not
1: working. It's
2: not working. But what happens? What happens when the church takes on more than just a four? Yeah. Uh-huh. When we are more than just a brand, but we are the ecclesia. Yes, <laughs> right, right there. <laughs> <laughs> and we become that irritant. Yeah. Oh no! We're supposed to be the people they will know we are Christians by our love. By our
1: love. <laughs>
2: what does love look like? The troubler of Cambridge Hilltop Church. You know why they were deemed troublers? Because they refused to give in to the pressure of the cultural norms of their day. Particularly in the church. You know, we all want Acts chapter 2 power, but we don't understand the reproach. These guys made themselves of no reputation other than, I am God's, I am obedient, I am surrendered, and I am focused on doing His will. Yo, wow. no, we think we can just get there through a couple of prayer meetings.
1: Yeah. Oh Lord,
2: please! No, it calls for boldness. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. good. It calls for daring actions. Understand? In Acts chapter seventeen. Here Paul is, as was a custom, walks into a synagogue That's in Pessacholena. He walks in, and he just starts arguing, <laughs> and per- persuasively with the religious leaders of the day. And he starts talking about Christ, and of course, there were some that adhered to his message, and they came and followed him. And there was others, man, that formed what a gang. Can you think about this? The Thessalonica, the first gang of Thessalonica.
3: <laughs> uh, uh, uh,
2: yeah, blood, right? Like, you know, like here we are, man. We're bad Jewish leaders.
1: First are the but Thessalonica. We're going after you, uh, all. <laughs> Yeah.
2: I think back to my childhood, we had a, I was I, I lived in Kingston, but we were in the cusp
1: of Newton, New Hampshire, if you're familiar with the area. And there was this gag that we put together called the NJP.
2: I mean, come on, hey, you're just not scared of the NJP. It sounds like J-H-O-P, J-R, some acronyms. Newton Junction Posse. And
1: we're not bad. We thought we were bad, but we're not
2: bad think about that. Here's a bunch of Jewish leaders. We are going to get these guys. And not only in Thessalonica was just turning into a problem, but they started going into other regions before Paul and before the apostles saying, hey, these guys are coming. These guys are coming. And they are going to cause upheaval, unrest, and they are going to come against everything that you are trying to institute. And their warning, and their reputation is following preceding them. They go into the city, and what do they do? They they turn the city—not the apostles, but the Jewish leaders. They, they, they everybody breaks out into a frenzy about these apostles. And the accusation, again, in Acts chapter seventeen, verse sixteen, was this: These men have turned the world upside down. They are coming here also. Come on! Not only. Was their reputation enough just to threaten people when they got there? But their reputation started to threaten people before they even stepped on the land. Think about Jesus. Another person surrounded by much controversy. A big thorn in a lot of people's flesh. But here he is. He hasn't even stepped off the boat yet. And two demonic, filled people come raging. Ah, Jesus! And, and they say, have you come here to trouble us? Have you come to get away, uh, to cast us out before our time? Demons are raging before Jesus even steps on the shoreline. People are working their cities into frenzies before the apostles ever even get to their doors of their synagogues. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that? What would it be like if that was the accusation towards the church those
1: troublemakers.
2: Now I'm not saying go look for trouble, but just the fact that you choose to be radically different to the cultural norms of today would be enough to get people to persecute you and say all matters to be evil about you. So the apostles took a stand, did they not? This wasn't the only time it happened. You think about Acts chapter 19. You ever read that? My God. There's an idol, I don't know her name, but a lot of people are making money off the craftsmanship of this idol. And Paul, it was his longest ministry track in all the books, the book of Acts, where he actually decided to just hunker down and do some work in the city, because he realized it was really a troublesome city. And so, he starts again, arguing persuasively, starts preaching the gospel of Christ, and People are burning this idol. That's probably, it's probably, in, in the area of economics, it's the one thing that is, is providing for people. It's the one thing that is putting food on people's table. Everybody's buying them, making them, selling them, and such. And all of a sudden, in this short time of Paul's short ministry track there, they are, they are wanting to do away with this idol. Can you imagine that if today, just because of the simple act? of a few people going to bars, and people being, but see, we don't think like that. I, I'm going to get there. I know, I, 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 I just kind of, what, is, what does this me? But we don't think like that. But what if, what if we thought, really, on the level of transformation that's needed? You know, what if, just what if, by a steady presence, yeah. by a steady box of pizza yes. that turns into a steady conversation of Christ. What if that steady faithfulness becomes where bars are closing down? No, but listen, when you match them up comparatively, that's what it would look like. You understand that even the girl that proceeded in Acts chapter 17 who was following Paul around in silence around saying, these men are the men of God. Follow them. She was making grain. She was a fortune teller. She was making people money. And when Paul cast that spirit out of her, they no longer made money. They went bankrupt, the Bible says. Can you imagine the effects of the church when she becomes no longer just a four? She becomes the ecclesia. She becomes that irritant, that troubler. Oh, here comes Will Eichler. The trouble of the, the local bars. Of we don't think like that, though. We want to stay mediocre. We don't want to offend.
1: Friend, you are going
2: to have to lose your reputation and your desire not to offend people. I'm not saying going, looking around, and being offensive. But you just merely have to shine the light of Christ, in the gospel, and it will be offensive. But there will be, much like there was in Paul's day, people that will be persuaded. These men know God. You hear what I'm saying? We have succumbed to such a cheap existence in the church today. Jesus merely had to look at people. He says, get out of them. They go. We have like a 10-step program. And then when that doesn't work, we drum up more excuses. But Jesus said in Mark chapter 16, anyone who follows me, anyone who is baptized, these things will follow. And one of the things was they will cast out demons. Yeah, right. Oh, mm-hmm. you are seen a demon leave a person. It's the most glorious thing. It's the most glorious thing. <laughs> you guys are all good. <laughs> <laughs> No, yes it is. I am speaking from experience. I was a demonically possessed young man who walked into a church service one day and was touched by the power of God. And that deliverance that took place in me was glorious. Other people started getting delivered. It erupted. People are crying. They're, they're erupting. People are getting set free. Guys, this is the gospel. This is the kingdom of God. It's not just that we have articulation of the word, but that we have demonstration of the power of God in the spirit. Come on! No, but we, we, we listen, I want to do more than just get everybody fired up. Some of you are getting fired up. Some of you are still are like, oh, that's nice brother. <laughs> 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 not, uh,
1: never coming here again. <laughs>
2: But what? But what? The danger is, is, that we in the church are succumbing to just the form. So brother so-and-so, Christian, pastor, title brand, yes, I'm a believer. But we need to be awakened to the fact that we somehow, someway are rejecting the power of God. That's what Paul says. Listen to me. We can't think anymore, in light of this scripture, that it's God's problem. It's not his problem. It's ours. And we can reject it simply uh, out of the fact that that we usually demonize things that we can't understand. Mm -hmm. Don't we as a church? Mm -hmm. I remember one day being at the house of prayer. And this girl, she starts crying. Her crying turns into her on the floor. On the floor turns
3: into her throwing up like, Ah!
1: There's no people here!
2: You can't get delivered! Ah, Put that back in. And and get them all panicky. But what happens when God comes? What happens when God decides to walk amongst the people? And starts to move amongst the people? It ain't pretty! It ain't pretty, it's messy. Yeah. Acts chapter 2, people are like, these guys are drunk. But it's not even drinking time yet, no. <laughs> but we demonize things we don't understand. We start to say, that's not God, it's disturbing the service. And you get, There's a fine line to walk there, because yeah. even that woman who, who was saying the right things had a spirit of divination on her. Yeah. She was saying all the right things to, Peter, uh, to Paul and Silas. But man, Paul was annoyed. He cast that thing out, right? Men who turned the world upside down. This is our legacy. This is our heritage. This is our history, guys. We're not just breathing air, showing up every morning because the pastor says go to church. We are God's people power in the earth if you would. I know for some of you that's like, what? God moves through men and women. He, he moves through weak, Amen. pathetic, uneducated common people. Amen. Much like he did, you know, don't think that there was anything impressive about the apostles. There wasn't. Yeah. There's hope for us. Say to yourself, yeah. there's hope for me, go. hope for
1: God. Yes.
2: Sometimes the more you know, the more, the more you don't know.
1: Think about it like this. I can lead worship with the
2: best musicians on the face of the earth and never feel the presence of God. They can chop, they can scale, they can find the pockets, but when you start to get in the environment of worship, you're like, something's wrong. It's not like it is. But you get a ragtag people who love Jesus, who, who aren't looking to. You know, show their musical abilities and you will touch the heart of God. Right. Not always, but <laughs> what am I doing? I'm trying to get us to see who we are in Christ. I don't, as a pastor, want to set up for reform. So, in the book of Acts, what we're inspired. But two things I want to leave us with today. And these are two things that actually, you know, just in viewing the book of Acts, kind of distracted and took, took away from it. And they're very simple. Don't think that they're complicated or mysterious. They're, they're not by any means. They're so simple. But my assessment, your assessment can be different, but this is mine. That they made themselves of no reputation, they seeded. And their willingness to be a witness for Christ at any cost. And then two, they understood their relationship and context to the world. They weren't living for the world or to be loved and admired and esteemed. They were living in the world and not of the world. Simple. What happens when the church just takes on a form? Well, in Proverbs 29... Verse 2, it talks about the effects when the churches cease to uphold righteousness or when the people of God uh, cease to um, um, bring forth truth in culture. It says the people rejoice when righteousness is exalted. And they groan when wickedness prevails. Our culture is groaning today,
1: guys. And if you believe for one second that God's not raising you up to be an answer
2: to what this culture needs, then you are missing the point. If you're just using, if we are just using our Christianity as a simple get into heaven free card, we will be surprised because even at that, when you get into scripture, that is not even guaranteed. Think of the men who are like, but we prophesy. We, 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 we love heavy. We're not just here breathing air, guys. Hill talk doesn't exist. Just have a nice little service so everybody can put
1: their best clothes on. Some of us, that doesn't even happen, but still. (laughs) uh, That's not what it's
2: about. We are to bring the kingdom of God in word and in demonstration. We are part of the anyone who believes and who is Baptized, will do ABC. Am I power hungry? No, I just have an appetite to bring glory to God. So, I want to encourage us in this, guys. The men who turn the world upside down, can it be said at Hilltop Church that we, I'm scared to say this, we actually redeemed? as troublers, that we were deemed as people who didn't just go along with the program and the cultural norms of our day, but we stood as a light. That we were salt of the earth. Come on, we need to make ourselves, some of us, our reputation is so dear to us. I get it, guys. But we have to, we have to even die to this world. Understand that is the gospel. Jesus said, pick up your cross and follow me cross and The following. What does that look like? I see. I see the best example of it in the New Testament, and I see the New Testament calling us to it. Let's stand. Up. You know, a series of this, but unfortunately, we we'll could go go next Sunday yeah. God willing, we'll be. But let's just extend our hands. Listen, you know, there's playing church and there's being in church. Come on. I mean, there's, there's just playing, having a form, and there's actually being. God is calling us to be in the church, guys. God's not looking at another answer for the world. He's looking at us, He's looking at the church, He's looking at His body. Yes. We are that answer. We are in Christ that answer. So, I just want you to extend your hands. And just begin to call upon the Lord. Come on. If you feel like today you've succumbed to just a form of Christianity, I want you to repent. I just want you to say, God, I don't want to just have form. I don't want to just have a title. Come on. Be honest with God. This is it not church. Say, God, I want this authenticity. I want authenticity, God. I want. I want the power of God, the power of God that can make me godly. I don't want to reject Jesus. Give us more than four. There's no music, guys, to hide ourselves in. It's just right now before God in these last moments. Come on. Come on. Call unto God. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I know this might be awkward for some of you, but God loves it. God is near to those who want to be near to Him. Father, we want to be here to you. Open our eyes, Jesus. Give Hilltop Church more than just a form. Lord, give us the power of God. Lord, that we would have more than just language. Lord, that we would have the demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, that we wouldn't seem our deem to reject it, God. That we wouldn't push it away because we don't understand it, God, or because our friends ridicule us for it, and God, we ask God that we would stand, Lord, faithful, just as you reminded
1: God, Paul,
2: uh, through Paul, to Timothy, to be faithful and to stand firm, regardless of what the end days look like. Jesus, we ask, put your power in us, God, Baptize us. Baptize us, Jesus. Let's just take a couple more minutes, guys. I know, I know. Some of this crying of the pump seems awkward to think that this should be effortless, but it's not always that way. God's looking at the heart, He knows the heart, He knows what the sincerity level is of your heart, and I would just encourage you to ask for sincerity. Come on.
1: <laughs> Come on,
2: I'm willing to press from the awkwardness. Let's take a little bit of picture. We need your power. I'm willing to press past the awkwardness, We need your power. Never know <laughs> God loses <needs the> suddenly. <laughs> a lot of times God doesn't move because we don't give him an opportunity to move. Jesus. God, we need your power. Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs>
1: God,
2: guys, don't be distracted.
1: Just give
2: room for the Holy Spirit.
0: Thank God.
2: Give us your power. Give us your
1: power. I <laughs> ask that in a community of people that
0: you would mark us on with jerry, hunger for your presence. Where <laughs> we ask, Father, that even as A.W. Tozen talked about the mark okay. of sincere love is to a found forward.
1: God
3: Yeah, keep it recording. Okay.
0: Uh-huh. That it's scorned by the too easily satisfied religionists. God, we say that we don't want to be marked as an easily satisfied religionist. That's not according. God, we want the fullness of all that yeah. made available through Jesus Christ. No. God, we say, Father, in this place, even now, that. Open our eyes to the fullness that you desire for your people to walk in. But we say even now, God, awaken our hearts to hunger and thirst for the fullness that is in Christ. For, Lord, for we to ask that you us. deliver us from
1: apathy. Yeah, you need look at this. This has got no, has got no spikes. So we ask even now, Father, that every excuse, Lord,